Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Crawley. This message is by Colin Urquhart. You know, there are lots of things really in our Christian lives that we do, but we wish we would do them better, more effectively. And one of those things is prayer. It doesn't matter how good you think you are in prayer, you can always be better. When you compare your prayer life with what Jesus says, you will receive whatever you ask in prayer, if you believe. If you live in me and my words live in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. So I think all of us, and a lot of us don't think we're very good at prayer, a lot of us wish that we were more effective in prayer. Is that true? That we saw God move more powerfully in response to our prayer. We saw more happen to our prayer. And we, as a result of our prayer, and we saw things, we see things happening more rapidly. One of the reasons why we're not as effective as we might be is because most Christians have never let Jesus teach them how to pray. And so if we go to the scripture, we see that Jesus taught his first disciples how to pray, so he will teach us how to pray. But it means we will have to pay attention to what he says and do what he says, then we will be more effective. Amen? Everybody likes to have their prayers answered. And people get frustrated when they pray and they don't get answers. So God's purpose is that whenever we pray, we get the right answer. So if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 11. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, all Jesus' first disciples were Jews. They were brought up in the Jewish faith. Every child was taught how to pray according to their Jewish faith, according to the law. So they were praying men. But when they saw Jesus praying, there must have been something different about the way Jesus prayed. So much so that this disciple said, Lord, we want to pray like you. Teach us how to pray. 
So it says, he said to them, when you pray, say, Father. Now, what Jesus is about to do is to give the disciples a briefer version of what we call the Lord's Prayer. You remember he gave that first when he was preaching to the multitudes, to the great crowds of people in the Sermon on the Mount. Here he says, when you pray, say, Father. What was the key to Jesus' success, not only in prayer, but in the whole of his ministry? Because we see that whatever Jesus did worked. How many people came to him to be healed? They got healed. When Lazarus needed to be raised from the dead, he was raised from the dead. It wasn't that things happened sometimes, but not every time. No, every time Jesus was successful. Now, why was that? There was something that really got to the people that opposed Jesus, or the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. And one of those things that really riled them was that Jesus called God Father. You see, in their Jewish prayer, they didn't speak to God like that. He was the Lord, the Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. But Father speaks immediately of an intimate relationship. And they actually said to Jesus on one occasion, you make yourself as God when you call him Father. And Jesus' answer to so much of the opposition that he received from those religious leaders was this. I know where I belong. You don't know where you belong. Because you don't belong where I belong. I'm paraphrasing lots of what Jesus said. In other words, he knew he belonged. To God the Father. He knew that he belonged to heaven. And this is the secret of praying. You're not going to get anywhere in prayer if you don't know where you belong. You see, you belong to the Father because he has made you his child. So you're not talking to someone who doesn't love you or who isn't concerned about you, doesn't care about you and doesn't want to answer your prayer. Any father wants to provide for his children if he loves his children. I had a, a wonderful father. He was not a Christian when I was a child. He didn't become a Christian until he was in his 70s. But he was a good father. And as a good father, he wanted to provide for us and 
we were brought up in the war years and just after the war where it wasn't all that easy to provide. But out of love, he wanted to give us whatever he could for our well-being. That's love, isn't it? You want to bless those that you love. You want to provide for them. So Jesus says, when you pray, say, Father, I know I belong to the Father. That's what Jesus was saying. And you also are now children of God, and you belong to the Father. So when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, praise be your name. Prayer always needs to begin with praise. You praise the one to whom you pray because he is always worthy of praise. And this is, this is you see, this is the balance that there has to be in our Christian life. We are loved by God because he's Father, and yet he's so much greater than we are. He is worthy of our praise. On all occasions, at every time. So we can draw near to him in prayer and in worship, but at the same time, we know how great and mighty and wonderful he is. But you see, Jesus is saying, when you begin to pray, never start with yourself. In fact, you come right down the list when it comes to the subjects about which you pray. Prayer starts with God, not with you. The problem for a lot of Christians is they sit around for a few minutes thinking about their problems and then say amen at the end and think they've prayed. And that's not prayer. That's just a recipe for disaster, really. So you see, Jesus is saying, right, well, when you pray, you start with Father. You start with worship. You start with praising him. Then he says, the first thing you pray about is not what you want, but what God wants. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. So when we come to our daily time of prayer, what is concerning us more than anything is the will of God, not what we want. We're not there to impress God with what we want. We want him to inform us of what he wants. And you see, if we belong to him as father, we belong to the kingdom of God. And all the riches and resources of God's kingdom are ours. You remember Paul says that God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. All those spiritual blessings are yours. Yeah. Every spiritual blessing that God has yeah. 
is yours. He has given you them. The problem is this. They're all in heaven. And they only get downloaded on earth by prayer. So part of the purpose of prayer is for us to download all the blessings of heaven that are ours in Christ. But we don't start with ourselves. We come down the list when it comes to prayer. As the measure you give is the measure you get back. So we start praying for others, especially for the will of God, that his kingdom will come, his will be done. There's no time for us to go into a lot of detail about that now because we want to get to the essence of how Jesus teaches us to pray. So this is what he teaches us to pray rather than how to pray it. So let your kingdom come, let your will be done. Then after we've prayed about the will of God, we can pray about our own need. Except we're not being selfish, we're praying for all our fellow believers. Give us today our daily bread. Now, Jesus is not talking about the fact that you'll have enough to eat. He is the bread of life. What he's saying is pray that God will release into your life today all the resources you need to do the will of God today. Don't pray about tomorrow. Take no thought for tomorrow. Tomorrow will look after itself. You pray for today. Why? Because you're supposed to pray every day for what you need every day. So, you know, Jesus says each day has enough cares to, 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 to be concerned about. In other words, you've got enough to pray about today without worrying about tomorrow. When tomorrow comes, you can pray about what you need tomorrow. But today you pray today, but today you expect God to provide today whatever you need to do the will of God. But not only you, all your brothers and sisters in Christ too. Give us today our daily bread. Amen? That will include you, but it's more than just you. Then he says, forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone who sins against us. If you translate the Greek literally, what it means is that you forgive others before you ask God to forgive you. Why? Because if there's unforgiveness in your heart towards anyone, that cancels out your prayer. Your prayer is a waste of time. Because you see, Every prayer, every answer to prayer, is a work of God's mercy. It's a work of his grace, his mercy and his grace. We never deserve to receive anything from God, even though we're his children. And, and Jesus teaches us, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. So if we don't give mercy to others, we can't receive mercy. And if we can't receive mercy, then we can't receive answer to prayer. Hello? 
At one meeting when I was preaching once, there was a woman there in a wheelchair who was in the advanced stages of multiple sclerosis. And it so happened that I was, or in, during the course of what I was preaching that day, I was preaching about this, about how important it is to forgive others. She came to me at the end of the meeting and told me what happened. As she was sitting in her wheelchair, she realized that there was somebody that she'd resented, that she'd never forgiven. So she forgave this person. During the meeting, she, she said, Lord, I forgive, and whatever she else she needed to say. And then the Lord told her to stand up. And she stood up perfectly healed. Amen. You see, God had wanted to heal her long before that moment, but that lack of forgiveness had prevented her from receiving the healing. If we're going to learn to pray, we've got to do it Jesus' way. Is that okay? Not our way, his way. So forgive us our sins as we have already forgiven those who sin against us. If we're merciful, he will be merciful to us. And he will not only forgive us, but he'll enable us to download all those blessings in heaven that are ours in Christ. You could get excited about that. You could say hallelujah, you could say amen, you could say praise <laughs> the Lord, or you could sit there dumb. It's up to you. But it's always good to affirm the truth when you hear it. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Okay, then Jesus says, and lead us not into temptation. We don't want to be tempted to please ourselves rather than to live to please God. But you see, Jesus, when he taught this prayer, and in the longer version in, in uh, the Sermon on the Mount, he didn't, never intended it to be, you know, just spoken as a prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He, what he's doing is he's giving us this, this is the content of your prayer. This is the substance of your prayer. Okay, but then he teaches, you see, how to pray it. Because the question that he was asked by the disciple is, teach us to pray. In brackets, like you pray. So, after speaking the parable, we see in verse 5, then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend and he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. So here's this, this man. His friend suddenly turned up unexpectedly. He's got nothing to feed him with. It's the middle of the night. So he goes banging on the door of his friend of his. Lend me three loaves. 
Then the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Sometimes that's how it seems to us, isn't it? That we're knocking and there's nobody there. Are you there, God? Are you listening? Is anybody hearing? Are you receiving what I'm saying? It seems that there's nothing sort of coming back. So what does Jesus go on and say? I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, now that's interesting. Jesus is saying he's not going to get the bread just because he's calling on the friend as a friend. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is a friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So what is Jesus saying? When you pray, you don't just pray the words. You don't just pray what needs to be said. You pray with boldness. Now what does it mean to pray with boldness? It means you pray in such a way as you cannot be denied. Amen. Not even God will deny you when you pray with boldness. He loves to see his children pray with boldness. That's how he prayed. This is how he was teaching the disciples to pray. You pray with boldness. Why? Because if you pray with faith, you pray with boldness. So what does he mean? This is what he says next. So, I say to you, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Now, the problem is that in Greek there are many more tenses of verbs than there are in English. Very precise. And there is a tense which is called the continuous present tense. And it's, it's difficult to just translate it literally into English. But if you do so, if you read the truth version, you'll see that I've done that. And also the amplified version does the same thing. What the Greek actually means is this. Go on asking and you will receive. Go on seeking and you will find. Go on knocking and it will be open to you. You see this man as he comes and asks his friend for bread, he doesn't just tap on the door. Oh, I need some bread for my friend. He bangs. Come on, come on, get up, give me what I need, come on. He goes on knocking. 
goes on seeking, goes on asking. Boldness. Now you might think, I can't talk to God like that. Why not? Some of you look old enough to have brought up children. Children know how to ask. Yeah. <laughs> eh? Children know how to ask. When they want something, they know how to ask. I'll give you a bit of Pastor Clive's testimony. <laughs> you know, when he was a teenager, he wanted to do motocross racing. Uh, dangerous stuff, you know, where you go <laughs> jumping over obstacles and all the rest of it. So he needed a motocross bike. So he comes to us and says, uh, this is what he wants to do. So we say we weren't very keen on the idea at all. Uh, we said, well, okay, well, if you want a motocross bike, you better start praying for one because we're not going to buy you one. <laughs> so he started to pray. But he said to me, well, Dad, you're a man of faith and you teach us uh, to pray with faith and to agree with faith. So I want you to agree with me in faith that God will provide my motocross bike. So uh, I said, okay, I'll agree with you in faith that God will provide. So... <clears throat> I would pull back the sheet to get into bed at night and there on the bed would be a little note saying Yamaha. <laughs> I would uh, sit down at my place, a table for a meal and there on my table mat, Yamaha. I would go to my Bible at prayer time, open my Bible, and there was a little note, Yamaha. <laughs> then the revelation changed to Kawasaki <laughs> because they brought out a better model. You see, persistence, boldness, go on asking, go on agreeing with me, Dad. That's faith. He's a man of faith because he was taught to be a boy of faith. He got his bike. And Caroline and I didn't pay a penny towards it. Actually, he got the second-hand bike of the British champion. So he didn't just get any bike. He got the best. Hallelujah. So... Boldness is seen in persistence, determination to get the answer that you need. When you pray, you see, you're not praying with faith if you're prepared to accept any answer. You only pray with faith when you, you, you know you're going to receive the right answer. And you pray with persistence until you get the right answer. What's the point of praying otherwise? You can't pray with faith if you don't know what's going to happen. You can only pray with faith when you know what the outcome is going to be. 
If you don't know what the outcome is going to be, then you need to ask God, first of all, to give you the faith before you pray. Hello? This is why Jesus says, whatever you ask in prayer, believe as you have received it and it will be yours. So you see, Jesus then says, everyone who goes on asking receives. Everyone! Not everyone who just asks. But everyone who goes on asking. Everyone who persists. Everyone who goes on seeking finds. Everyone who goes on knocking has the way open for him. Everyone, Jesus says. See, the trouble is, my friends, most of us are too nice in prayer. God doesn't want us to be nice. He wants us to be effective. Turn to uh, Luke chapter 18. Are you with me at the same meeting here? Yes. Hallelujah. There have been some very important keynotes lately on, on prayer. So the last two or three weeks, so if... You get on the internet, you can download those. So supplement what I'm saying today. Okay, chapter 18. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. That's why Jesus taught this parable. Always pray, not give up. Do you realize if you've given up, you haven't prayed with faith? If you believe, you don't give up. See, Clive did not give up. Hallelujah. Okay. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, keeps nagging me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. Bit of a strange parable. She was persistent. So even the unjust judge, in the end, gave in to her. But then Jesus explains. Now you need to listen very carefully to this. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Now you're a child of God, is that right? So listen to this. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? How did Jesus teach the disciples to pray? With boldness. With persistence. 
You cry out to God. Not nice prayers. You cry out to God. He wants to hear the cry of your heart. Day and night. You don't confine your prayer to a few minutes. Because that's your duty to pray as a Christian. No, no, no. God's your father. He wants to bless you as his child. He wants to provide in every way. He wants that boldness. He wants that persistence. Day and night, you cry out. You see, what was Clive doing with all those little notes? He was, he was reminding me day and night. Agree with me, agree with me, agree with me. That wasn't his prayer. It was just asking me to agree with him. But you see, this is what Jesus is saying, day and night. Why? Because he is with us always, isn't he? Let me tell you, if you really want something, you go after it, day and night. You really want that answer to prayer, you go after God day and night. You don't give up. You don't take no for an answer. You will not be denied. Now I'm going to tell you a little bit of testimony. of an encounter that I had with God some years ago. In the early years of, of the existence of Kingdom Faith, we had a revival. We were, at that time, not, not a church. We were living as a community of people that were serving the churches. We were traveling all over the nation, and I was traveling around the world encouraging revival because my ministry came out of revival. And we were in a pretty good place with God at this time, but we weren't actually quite in revival. We were sort of flirting on the edge of it. And at that time, I was leading a lot of major evangelistic crusades in different uh, cities and areas around Britain. We had a schedule all the way through the summer doing this and speaking at other meetings in between. And uh, God made it, it's quite a long story, so I'll have to abbreviate it as much as possible. But God made it clear that his purpose was for us to take revival into each one of these crusades. Revival was to break out. And usually that, that would happen on about the third night. We'd have two nights of great blessing, then the third night it would all really begin to happen. And often when, when that took place, I would be preaching, and even sometimes before I finished preaching, hundreds of people would run forward. They'd fall on their faces before God. They'd start crying out to God. Uh, he would 
people would come to the Lord, they'd get filled with the Spirit, they'd get healed. Nobody prayed for them, nobody ministered to them. Just the Holy Spirit did all the ministry. In fact, in that move of God, for three years we never prayed for a soul. Every single meeting, the Spirit of God just moved in and took over and, and did all the ministry. Hundreds and hundreds of people would come to the Lord and get healed and so on. It was a very powerful time. So in all these crusades and all these meetings that we were holding during that summer, this reviving power of the Holy Spirit would just move in, take over. Wonderful time. Until it came to the last of these crusades. And the last one was in uh, the Welsh valleys where the Welsh revival had happened, South Wales. And uh, there was no building big enough. It was now the middle of October, so it was getting cold. So there's no building big enough for the crowds that were anticipated. But there was a Christian who had just bought a factory that had been a graphite factory, you know, made pencils, filthy, dirty, you know, creates a lot of filth apparently. And uh, he said to the, the local organizing committee, he said, well, if you get a group of Christians in here to clean the place up, you can use it for the crusade and I will build a, to a, a, a toilet block because I'll be able to use that for my business afterwards which is a very generous offer. So the, the guys turned up and they cleaned up the place. There was no heating, so they had those industrial blower heaters, you know, to get the heat up. But of course, there were so many people there. Once the meeting started, it was kept warm enough. What they never thought of was a place for the team and myself to pray. The only... The only other space in this building was what had been the manager's office. And they never bothered to clean that up because they didn't think it would be used. But we used to pray for two hours before the meeting. I mean, these meetings would go on for three hours, but we, pray, we were praying for two hours before the meeting began. Because revival comes out of prayer. If you don't pray, you don't get revival. It's as simple as that. It's no use just wishing for revival. A revival comes out of prayer. So, we would be in this, this room. So, it came to this last night, and the revival hadn't broken out. And God's word to me was that we would take revival to every one of these crusades. So, I was desperate. I was, I was praying, I was... I was, I was knocking hard on heaven's door, let me tell you. I was saying, Lord, it's your word. We'd seen great blessing, but we hadn't seen that breakthrough revival. And I was, I mean, it was freezing cold because there was no heating in this, in this room. 
But I was, I was praying with such intensity, I was absolutely dripping with perspiration. I mean, the other guys that were in the room, the team, they told me how, how I was praying afterwards. I, 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 was just, I was just getting hold of God. I said, come on, Lord, you've got it. It's your word. Suddenly, Jesus appeared to me. And he walked from the side right into the center of my vision. And then he turned away and started to walk away from me. Well, I got frantic. You can't go! You can't go! You can't leave us! We can't do anything without you! Boldness. Jesus stopped and he turned and he looked at me and he said, my people here do not want me. And he turned away and started walking away again. Well, I mean, I let him have it. You can't go! you how can we have revival without you he stopped again now listen carefully he turned and he looked at me and he said for your sake I will tarry now, tarry is not a word that I would use. It means, you know, I will wait. I will, I will be here. I will stay. But it's actually a word that is historically associated with revivals. People used to have tarrying meetings. Meetings waiting upon God to come in his revival path. For your sake, I will tarry. Why for my sake? Because I was bold. I would not be denied. It's God's word. Next thing I knew, the guys were shaking me because I just got lost in God while all this was happening. And they were saying, Colin, Colin, the meeting should have started 10 minutes ago. I said, well, I'm not in any state to start a meeting. You go and start the meeting and I'll come in when, I, when I'm ready. So they went off and started the meeting. And I said, Lord, what do you want me to do tonight? And he said, I want you to go into the meeting and I want you to tell them what has taken place in this room. So I went in and I told them what I've just told you. Well, that night, heaven fell to earth. 
the heavens opened, the power of God poured out upon the people there. People came to the Lord, wonderful miracles were happening. It was an amazing night. Now, this was back in 1980. So, some of the older people there, their parents had been in the Welsh Revival. And they came to me after the meeting, some of these people, and said, when we were children, all we heard from our parents was about the revival, but we never experienced revival ourselves. That's why God had said they don't want me. They'd, they'd been brought up in a very strict way by their parents, but without having the encounter with God that they'd needed. And then they said to me, but tonight we have seen what our parents described. We have seen it for ourselves. And you know, whenever I go back to that part of the world to minister, people will come up to me and say, I was there that night. I know what night they mean. They don't have to tell me. The night the Spirit of God fell on Ponticlean. Boldness. I will not be denied. You see, I think we are tempted to think we shouldn't talk to God like that. Let me tell you, that meeting would not have happened if I hadn't talked to God like that that night. Jesus liked it enough to turn up personally and reveal himself as he did. That's good enough for me. You see, when we pray, my, my friends, God doesn't listen to the words. He listens to the heart. He knows what we believe in our hearts. He knows how serious we are. He knows how determined we are. Or he knows how superficial we are. See, superficial prayers get superficial answers. Bold prayers get bold answers. The measure, what you sow, you reap. Now, I'm not talking about being rude to God. I wasn't being rude to Jesus. But what does it say in the scripture about the way Jesus prayed? It says in the scripture, he prayed with loud cries and tears.
You know, it says again and again, he went off and prayed quietly on his own in lonely places. Why? Because he prayed with loud cries and tears. He didn't have a gentle, nice little quiet time with Father in heaven. He prayed with all his heart. And then the next thing it says, and he was heard for his reverent submission. You see, it's not being rude. It's not, it's not thinking that, that if we shout at God, we're going to get what we want. No, it's reverent submission to his will. I was praying according to his will. His word was that in every one of those crusades, we would see revival. We'd seen it in all the other ones, but not that one. It was his word. So I was believing his word. I wasn't just shouting and railing at God. I was just saying, Lord! Your will can only be fulfilled if you do by your spirit what is needed. Now, I don't pray like that all the time. I don't shout and rail at, like that at God. I don't need to. Except those of you who were at the last encounter night that we had in January, I was praying like that. Actually, the presence of God came that night. If you were there, you know that. And I was praying like that. Because God had said to me at the beginning of that time of prayer and fasting of what he wanted to do and, and as far as I was concerned we hadn't seen him do it yet. And I'm, I'm 79 now, you know, and, and it, you, you just don't quite have the stamina to, to pray and, 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 and do things spiritually that you do when, when you were younger. But I tell you, that night I gave it a go. Why? Because I was not going to be denied because I know what God had said. And you see, that's how little children ask. They will not be denied. They will keep on and on and on till they get what they want. And you don't always give them what they want immediately, do you? But if it's something they need or something that's good for them, you do eventually give in to them. And I think, you see, sometimes God tests our faith because the scripture says the testing of your faith proves it's genuine. So... Sometimes I think God just delays the answer to see whether you're serious or not. You really serious? You really mean it? Do you really trust me? Do you really believe my word? Do you really believe my promises? 
Are you really prepared to love me with all your heart? To pray with all your heart? Or is your prayer a bit of wishful thinking? And if it doesn't happen, you just shrug your shoulders and say, well, we'll hope for better results next time. I preached this message a couple of weeks ago in Horsham and Pastor Clive said, oh, you need to preach it in Worthing and Crawley because God needs to up the intensity of our prayer. Amen. <laughs> God said to me the other day, he said, um, you know when you pray for something, and you don't see the answer immediately. It's because you need more prayer. Not to give up and think I don't want to give to you. You just need more prayer. And you see, you think, well, why more prayer? But you see, it's what God does to you in praying, in persisting, in keep knocking, in keep seeking. That actually is far more formative in your spiritual life than if God was just to answer immediately everything you said immediately. I mean, those are easy times. But what really makes you the person of faith God wants you to be is when you have to persist. When you have to be bold. Now, I'm sure that all those of you who know the Lord, you've got promises God has given you that have not yet been fulfilled. What do you do about that? I mean, some of them may be promises relating to the future, but others of them could be promises that are very much relating to the present. So what are you going to do about it? Just wait and hope the promises get fulfilled? Are you going to let God know, look, this is your word, this is your promise, this is what you've said. I believe in you, Lord. I'm not giving up until I see the fulfillment of this promise. I want you to know I'm serious. You see, I think if you love God, you're prepared to talk to him like that. If you're afraid of God, you'll say, oh, I must be so nice, tiptoeing into his presence. No, no, no. We're told to come right to the throne of God with sincere hearts in full assurance of faith. Amen. What's full assurance of faith? You're going to get what you ask for. And John says in his first epistle that if we know that he hears us, we know that we receive from him whatever we ask. See, this is the point. If you know that he hears you. Huh. Well, make sure he hears you. He hears you not, not just when you shout and things like that. I mean, 
There will only be occasions when you need to do that. But there will be occasions when you need to do that. Because you're serious. Do you remember? We'll just finish with this. You remember there was a woman? She was a Gentile. She wasn't even a Jew. Who came to Jesus because her child needed to be delivered. And uh, Jesus said to her, It's not right, you know, to give the food to the dogs. And she says, yes, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the table. See, she wasn't going to be put off. You have a woman with the issue of blood who for 12 years had been spending all her money on doctors trying to get healed. Hears about Jesus. She should not have been in a public place according to the law. With the, with the infirmity that she had, she was supposed to be excluded from society. But she presses through the crowd. She takes hold of Jesus' robe. She's persistent. She's determined. She's going to get her answer. It's prayer. And Jesus said, who touched me? You see, that night, my prayer touched Jesus. Your prayer needs to touch Jesus. When prayer touches Jesus, Jesus responds. So, Jesus teaches us what to pray. He teaches us how to pray. Boldness, crying out to him day and night. This is Jesus' teaching. You know, when I wrote, as I was writing um, The Lord's Orchard, God said to me one day, my people today don't believe the parables. They read them, but they don't believe them. And I think, I, I know exactly what he means. I think these are two parables most people don't believe. Because if we believe them, we would pray with boldness and we cry out to him day and night. Because that's what the two parables mean. So, we want to be people of faith. We believe everything Jesus says. We believe the parables. We believe what he teaches. We believe what to pray and how to pray. And the thing is, my beloved ones, if you pray with faith, you will not be denied. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com. 